You're listening to the Loot Before You Loot podcast, where we discuss our favorite games from past and present, and all the latest news, rumors, and announcements from the world of gaming. Stay tuned and follow us to never miss an episode. Hello guys, welcome to Loot Before You Leap, and it's our sixth episode today. We've got a fantastic episode planned for you guys. Bruce, you tell these fine people what we're talking about today. Well, today is the single player special. Now, a couple of episodes we've been talking about something called our retro mindset. This one is just to go into that a bit deeper, explain what we mean by that. We're also going to be going into our favourite single players of all times. So, we're going to start back at the beginning. So, Grant, what was your first favourite single player game? Ah. Uh. See, we went through some of this in our retro special, and there's just there's so much from our childhood that we remember, and it's so rich and so bountiful and so incredible. For me, my earliest memories for single-player stuff, it probably goes back to the PlayStation 1, and a game that I really recall was a title called Urban Chaos, which was a game where you played as a female cop uh, in uh, a really horrible crime-ridden city, city called Union City, and it was the strangest game on the planet you basically started as a beat cop going around arresting perps that were like mugging people and stuff and by the end of the game you had these apocalyptic bald-headed agent 47 looking guys that wielded miniguns and they were taking over the world i don't know but it was fantastic and it was my first real first player first player sorry single player title that i remember really loving how about you bruce because i know you're a retro god so what were the ones from your your childhood see the first one that would be for me would be pokemon snap now i talked about that in the retro episode as well um the reason i remember it so well is because i just like how simple it was and obviously pokemon was such a big thing it's you just go around on certain tracks taking pictures of pokemon you've got to find hidden ones um, you've got to evolve hid- you've got to evolve some by doing hidden things. So it was quite an in-depth game for its time, and it's quite just a, quite a chilled game for me as a kid. So that's why I'd still say that's one of my favourites of all time. And you keep going on about how there's another one. <laughs> oh, there is. There's another one coming out. Can't wait. Can't wait. Happy days. But it's just we. I mean, me and Bruce, we're talking about this stuff all the time, right? Because we're always hinged on this retro thing, the retro mindset, getting offline playing a single player title and enjoying yourself and you just you just cannot explain enough how dramatically different it is when i sit and i think about urban chaos it was so cool because it was semi-open world it was sandbox right and on the playstation one there were probably like a dozen titles that had that kind of breakdown and we're talking like today every single game is sandbox open world huge expansive and that's, that's, an, that's something that we have to draw attention to. Like, we want to talk about the differences between the single player then and the single player now. Because, I I mean, my, my golden era of gaming for me was PlayStation 2. And that's when games started really becoming these big cinematic things, you know. Um, so I kind of want to pull into that, a little bit of attention on that. Bruce, I know that you, you had a PlayStation 2 for quite a long period of time. You were PlayStation, right? I've still got my PlayStation 2. It's still connected to the TV. Oh, and in that case, why don't you just tell us if you've got something from that era. What games... Let's list a couple. What are some of the best single-player titles you remember from PlayStation 2? Oh, I'll tell you. One that I actually quite enjoy, and I've actually recently re-got it. It's quite a um, hard game to find at the moment, is the Nightmare Before Christmas game. I don't remember that one. Oh, Nightmare Before Christmas game. Brilliant. You go around as Jack Skeleton. You've got your free costume. So you've got Jack Skeleton, the Halloween King, which is just his regular outfit. 
You've got Jack Skeleton Christmas, which is him in his Santa outfit, and the Pumpkin King, which is him in his Pumpkin King outfit. And basically, it's uh, Halloween Town's been taken over by Oogie Boogie. And if you don't know Oogie Boogie, he's a giant sack of insects. It's absolutely horrifying. That, sound, of that sounds creepy as hell. <laughs> it's a really good game. If you've seen the actual movie itself, it's quite easy just to go off that. But if you haven't, it's definitely worth going because the trailers are still out there online. You can still find the old trailers. So go and have a look at it. It's a really fun game. The boss battles are a little bit weird because they're like musical dance boss battles in them. So it, it, I just really enjoy it. It was just a good bit of fun. You know what I mean? That's niche, isn't it? Because we said again in the retro episode how back in the day, they made a game for everything if if now someone went and they released a a nightmare before christmas game it probably wouldn't do very well but back on playstation 2 you could release anything and it would sell it seemed like anyone had a game i mean for myself i think the stuff that i played that was you know single player focused was a bit more mainstream so i really liked when i was playing playstation 2 like the old grand theft auto titles you know three through san andreas like there was a game called black which was a first person shooter which um i actually i still have huh? uh and um that was fantastic back then it was it was you know they kind of said it was gun porn it was one of the best looking shooters you'll ever play from that era it looked incredible there was a game called psyops which was to do with like mind powers there was you know the sims franchise that was massive on playstation 2 from the sims one to herbs to busting out to two to pets to castaway i love them which is weird when you think about now all i play is like violent shooters and i grew up on the sims did you let's because that's probably one of the ultimate single player games ever you live an entire life in the sims did you ever fall in with the sims first yeah sims one i had pretty much every expansion uh, Sims 2 had a pretty much every expansion. Now, the reason I had every expansion is because uh, I used to buy them from another country. And when I was on PC, if you go into the settings and you can just change the settings um, document from... God, I don't remember where I got it from. I think I got it from China. But um, I could change it from China to English. So I could install it and it'd just be in English anyway. So yeah, I mean, the Sims... I still play the Sims, Sims 4. You know, I still play it um, from time to time. Because it's just nice to chill out and just go for it it is you know my partner she plays the sims 4 all the time and she loves it like i've never seen she has like this knack of interior designer ability the houses that she makes look so incredible see my other half does that i can't do it i can't design them as well as she can i get her to do mine sometimes because she goes so in depth with it oh yeah and and you know right down to the individual tiny tertiary little accessories like towels and candles and things and i'm like okay when i build it i just put in the most expensive everything and call it a day yeah so do i i, I mean I, I mean i don't get it maybe it's uh I, I don't have the creative ability that she has maybe but that's that's a really good one because i've had so many hours upon hours of enjoyment and you know what do you know what my favorite sims ever was guess Sims 3 Katy Perry. No, but you're very close. It was The Sims 2 Castaway. And it's where you're marooned on an island. I don't think... I, it was exclusively for PlayStation 2, but they did something similar on PC, I believe. You just wash up on a desert island with your Sims, and you have to... Well, it's more of a tropical island. And then you have to just find things. Imagine, like, today, 
there are so many survival games, right? You like the forest and stranded deep and things like that. This was kind of like that, but lighthearted and sims, you know, you befriended chimpanzees who'd run off and find things for you. You'd have to build like huts out of uh, palm leaves and things like that. It was, it was so good. And it was the best thing ever. And I, when you're talking about single player stuff, oh man, I must have poured hundreds of hours into that. Like hundreds of hours because it was such a big game you had like this massive island to explore like volcanoes and caves and and there were like all these little breakthroughs into like hidden paths and there was like crashed pirate ships and things and and it was mad the ultimate destination was to escape the island but you kind of had two choices where you didn't have to do that kind of like um like the forest you know you could either choose to stay there and rule over the island or get rescued and go away and you know do whatever but that's, it's not really something, like when I grew up, the games I tended to gravitate towards were, you know, the violent ones, the shooters, the, uh, you know. So it's kind of surprising that some of my fondest memories come from a Sims game. But that's, that's the truth behind it though, isn't it, Bruce? You don't always, you, there's, you don't always expect to like a particular game, but you just kind of, there's something about it, you know. Yeah, you don't always expect to think, oh, that sounds weird but i'll give it a go and then it turns out to be one of your favorite games you know and this this is part of the what we're calling the retro mindset is you don't know how good something is until you try it so you know if you see a game and you you think oh i heard that was quite bad or i heard that wasn't as good or i heard that was a bit weird pick it up give it a go because you never know it might end up being one of your best favorite games yeah absolutely i mean that's the more more times that i can count i've read a bad review for a game i mean look most recently when The Last of Us 2 got absolutely destroyed by people that were just dead set against the, the story and the characters and everything. And if you, if you believed that kind, of, that kind of bad press, you might not want to play the game. But for me, I was like, I don't care. I've, I've waited for this game for seven years. You could tell me it is the worst thing on the planet. You could give me irrevocable proof and I'm still going to play it because I want to play it. You know? <laughs> just got to listen to people all the time. That's a bad way to go. That's why I don't, I don't listen to reviews and things. If it's a single player game, and I know that I'm the only one that's going to be experiencing it. I do like to do that. I'll turn it. I'll, I'll turn off. You know, I'll disconnect and I'll I'll put on this game. Like I've been doing it with Ghost of Tsushima most recently. I'll just you don't have to talk to anyone. You just sit back and play. You put your headset on. You get immersed. That's the way. Single player stuff. You you can't get that in a multiplayer title. You just can't. You don't get the same feeling, do you? No, not at all. And I will say, you know, going off, um, listening to people's review, everyone is entitled to review it. Everyone is entitled to their own opinion. So, you know, don't don't stifle yourself if you want to make your opinion known. You have the right to make your opinion. What I'm saying is don't, like, don't listen to them play the game first yeah. and then make your decision. Like I said, everyone's got an opinion. Just make your own opinion first. Yeah. Because you might end up missing out on some really good gems. And the majority of this stuff is around, is around single-player stuff because... Multiplayer games are kind of, it's all samey, you know, like look at all the battle royales that keep coming out, um, you know, Fortnite, Apex, uh, Hyperscape, Warzone, each does its own thing, but ultimately they're kind of the same premise, some are better than others, some have a bigger audience than others, you know, you've got ones that are sci-fi, ones that are based in realism, but at the end of the day, they're all kind of the same thing, you can't really have, you can have fun on these games, like hell, you can have a lot of fun with a multiplayer title, playing with your friends, getting that social aspect, but I think the difference is, if you want a real experience, if you want an emotional ride, if you want to have uh, 
you want to invest and immerse yourself in a title you want to become connected to these characters it's single player single player will always dominate when people want that kind of experience in a game do you agree Bruce? yeah i mean there's just something about campaigns and single player modes that just really draw you in i think having a story behind the game makes the multiplayer even better you know because if you know the story behind the whole game and then you jump into the multiplayer you're like ah, okay that makes more sense you know what i mean i just i just think that it just draws you in more than anything i mean you 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 touched upon this i think in the last episode i can't remember i think it was the last episode where even games that traditionally well traditionally now a more focused on multiplayer like call of duty they can still have a very very enjoyable and a very immersive single player experience so we talk about modern warfare one two and three following the bromance of price and soap you know you get invested in that it's just some people might look at that as just a dumb first person shooter but it has depth it has characters it has an ever-evolving story yeah, I mean, and at the moment, I am playing through all of the Call of Duties that I own in chronological order. So I'm now currently on Modern Warfare, the um, the new one, but that slot's right in the middle. So it, it's going from the start to finish. You just see how these characters develop. You see, you know, you see them grow in a way. And if you lose one of them in the game, you feel that loss. Like, you, you've become so emotionally invested in these stories... That you lose one of the te- like one of the main players, it actually hits you quite hard. You're like, oh my god! So, bit of a spoiler if you haven't played Gears of War. Gears of War was my, well, still kind of is one of my favourite single player campaigns. The amount of people you lose in that, because you're invested in them, it's so hard. Like one of the worst ones. If you haven't played, it, I'm sorry, I'm going to ruin it for you. Number three, when you lose Dom, I won't tell you how you lose him, but you lose him. And I tell you, that is, was one of the hardest things for me to play. I almost left that game at that point because I was so emotionally invested in the game that I was like, I don't think I can go on without him. That, what am I meant to do? It's true. <laughs> and I, I remember that scene like yesterday, the voice acting, you know, Marcus Phoenix screaming and the explosions and the soundtrack, the Mad World-esque soundtrack. It was just absolutely flawless. When you're with a character for that long, look at Mass Effect, for example. Mass Effect was a three-game franchise. And if you lost someone, that would carry across through the game. When you reach the end of, you know, the end of Mass Effect 3, and you'd had so many people at that point potentially die that you'd been playing with for so many years and a franchise like gears of war does that so well because it's such a long franchise you look at gears of war 5 that just came out for example you've still got marcus phoenix you still got coltrane you know all these characters that you've known since what 2006 if in the next edition of gears of war coltrane coltrane dies there'll be riots in the street because he is one of the most incredible characters in, in, in shooter history. He's such a good character. And like you say, you grow up with them, you become immersed with them, you follow their story, you develop with them. And there's so many that do that. Like The Last of Us, it might only be a two-game installation, but that scene in The Last of Us 2, I'm not going to say it, but tears in my eyes. Like I had to put the controller down. I was so angry and sad. And that was a two-game franchise. The Witcher following Geralt on his path up to The Witcher 3, where ultimately... Now, hold on. Little aside, little aside, right? Little tangent. I'm so hyped up. I'm so hyped up. Little tangent here. So, The Witcher 3 was arguably one of the best 
fantasy rpg whatever you want to kind of assign it to ever so highly awarded so incredibly built like cd project did such a phenomenal mind-blowing job it propelled the witcher to such levels of popularity like we've never seen before even today five years after its launch it is still one of the most popular games out there i played it i played one two and three i absolutely loved them all but three i gave so much time to so many hundreds of hours i played every expansion they came out with i pursued the game multiple times to explore the different endings and dialogue choices and when you get to the very end this is a bit of a spoiler but it's not it's not you know too bad when you get to the very very end of the final dlc which is blood and wine you go after tucson and you hunt down the vampires and all that kind of stuff is that blood and wine yeah so you get this scene right Sorry, I'm going on a little bit. I need to finish this up. You, you get this scene and it's Geralt and his friend. And Geralt has literally... It's over. Like, he's done. He's just... Everything has been finished. Everyone's... The stories have all wrapped up. And he's literally sitting there pondering retirement. And the guy who he's talking to says... I don't know it verbatim. I don't know it word for word. He says something like how we've we he, you know including us in that have endured so much we've been through so many battles together and over so many years we've seen so much struggle and he just says we're you know we need a rest now we need it's time to rest and Geralt says yes we do and he looks straight into the camera and he gives a I'm getting chills and he gives a little nod and a smile at the player it's the tiniest break of the fourth wall but where in a multiplayer title would you get that kind of like it gets you in the gut you know what i mean wow i'm sorry that went on for like six minutes but you know what i mean right bruce yeah i know to be fair it doesn't matter how long that went on for that is exactly what we're saying about single players to draw you in that much and to give you that little nod at the end that is an amazing thing to get you know what i mean so it doesn't it wasn't exactly a tangent because it fits perfectly in with what we're talking about so i think things like that just that little bit at the end just a quick nod to the camera that it's, Boom. it's just appreciation Done. and there's so many franchises out there that have gone on for you know as long i think the first witcher game came out way back in the noughties and it was a bit of a flop uh, but look at things like metal gear metal gear is like 25 30 years old and that kind of has a story that is all in one ecosystem one universe it all goes together it all fits together it's a bit higgledy-piggledy but it fits together red dead it's red dead redemption it's two games but that story deep as hell it's only two titles but because it's such an expansive single player experience arthur morgan right he was with us for one game and you could have completed that game realistically in like you know 80 hours or something like that and in those 80 hours that man becomes like like you, a brother you know a father like you you learn his struggles and you experience his pain and you wanna you want him to be the best he can be and then you have an ending. Have you played Red Dead Redemption 2? I'm halfway through it. I'm going to be honest. I, no, no, you can do. I mean, it's one of these things. I've got it. You know, because I recently changed over my PC. Yeah. I just haven't got back to playing it. I've got so many things that I'm trying to get finished and played. All these single ones I'm trying to do. And I'll tell you, I've, I've got a couple of GameCube ones that I still need to replay as well. So it's just trying to, trying to sort them out into what goes first type thing backlog that's what it is but this is like so i'm not going to give 
too direct of a spoiler but you find out something about arthur and you see it coming and you see it coming and you feel it and you know it's going to happen and then when it does you're still like no and you know what's going to happen and it builds up and you don't get that from a multiplayer i don't go into a game on okay let's do that right i think the most invested i've ever been in a multiplayer title it's probably like a game of battlefield where it lasts like an hour and a half and it's neck and neck the whole way and you've got great teammates and it's a dramatic battle and you're using planes and tanks and airstrikes and all kinds of tactics and you're so invested in that fight but then when it ends it ends and you move on to the next one that's the big difference isn't it a single player is consistent you know, you can replay the same story if you want to relive it. Sometimes in a multiplayer, you might get that game once every, like, once in a blue moon, you know. Whereas a single player thing, like me, for example, here's a good example. Uh, I don't know if you've played this. It's another one that goes completely out of my expected wheelhouse, but Life is Strange. Do you know that one? I've heard of it, not played it. So Life is Strange, I was, I never expected it. I never expected it. It's like a teen drama. Okay, a teen drama. And you've got these two characters that are kind of like um, friends that were torn apart and then brought back together under, you know, circumstances of fate. And one of these girls, she can control time. And it's this really dramatic story where she's constantly saving her friend from the brink of death. And, and it's very, very, very in some places quite generic it's just teenage you know uh squabbles and things and it's like high school kind of but there's something about that game that just hit me in the fields time after time after time it's a square enix thing they they publish it it's developed by a team called don't nod who also did vampire that came out a while ago um but it's like so emotional and it's it's an episodic thing so over the course of five seasons you get introduced to these characters and you grow along with them and you experience their story and although it's extremely basic there's there's almost no mechanics it's like a not a point and click you know you walk and interact that's basically all it is but just the the emotion in there you know by the time you've played all of those se- all of those chapters and, and all of those seasons over how long it takes for them all to get released you're so invested in that and that's the same as they had Life is Strange 2 that came out. That was the same thing. They've done all the Telltale games, you know, with, with uh, look at um, the Walking Dead stuff, you know, with Clem, Clementine, following her story. At the end of the first Walking Dead game, the whole thing with Lee and Clem, devastating. Absolutely devastating because you're so invested. And it's just investment. You know what I mean, Bruce? It's that investment. <laughs> also, I think it's a little bit different for, like, choice-based single players um the reason i say that is because when you're playing a choice based single player like um the walking dead you feel like you so for example being zombie games people die but you feel like if you'd chosen differently could they have survived so i think that also hits you a little bit harder because you're like oh god he died i could have done something different or oh she got shot i could have done something different I th- you feel more invested in that one more, even more than a regular single-player campaign because could you have done it differently? Could you have saved them? 
Yeah, that's true. And look at some of the ones that have come out in recent years. So games like Until Dawn, uh, games like that Man of Medan. Uh, you go back to like Detroit Become Human, uh, Heavy Rain. These games where a decision that's made in a snapshot moment affects the entire game. And most of the time they make it so it's irrevocable. You can't take back that choice. You Unless you restart the game, that choice is final. So until dawn for example there is a way a path you can follow that will do you know until dawn bruce i'm kind of assuming you know this one until dawn is that the one where they're in the cabin in like the snowy woods that's it yeah so they're yeah i'm with you on that one it's cabin in the woods kind of thing you know again we're talking teenage drama or young adults kind of thing but it's a horror and it's a (laughs) it's a pretty freaky one at that but it's made to be one of these make choice uh you know move on but it's not like the last of us sorry the last of us life is strange or the you know the walking dead or one of these telltale titles where you can kind of pause or you can kind of think things through it's it's snapshot decisions like quick time events if you miss a button they die you know so it's so stressful but there is a path you can take where everyone survives there is also a path you could take where absolutely everyone dies and that's what you're talking about there when you make a, that momentary decision, you're like, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And you can't go back. It's tough. It's like State of Decay. This one doesn't apply so much because although it can be played single player, it's designed for multiplayer. It has uh, permadeath. I mean, you know that all too well, Bruce. How many times are we playing State of Decay? And I tell you, if I die, I'm leaving because I love this character. I, every single time we play. It's mostly mostly when you're Eli, to be fair. Oh, uh, there's some characters. State of Decay, if you guys don't know, it's a post-apocalyptic zombie game built um, built by uh, Undead Labs, published by Microsoft. It's an Xbox exclusive and PC. But it's great. It's this open world, go where you want, sandbox, completely unlinear exploration survival game. You know, you build a base, you go out and you loot for resources, you build your, your uh, settlement full of people and you build your community. But it's designed to be co-op, and it's a fantastic game. But one of the aspects of it that you don't see in other games is it has permadeath. So you can take a character, you can play with that character for six months. You can level them up so they are the, they're the leader of your community. They are the best of the best. You get in a sticky spot and they die, that's it. You are never seeing that character again. And that's investment. But that's on the kind of borderline, isn't it? And that's something that I want to talk about, isn't it, Bruce? single-player games that either can be multiplayer or try and become multiplayer do you know what i mean yeah so i mean we've seen that a couple of times so for example we saw it in assassin's creed at one point with brotherhood we saw it in far cry 3 with um online co-op you know so a lot of games for example so fallout again going into an mmo elder scrolls online was you know so there's a lot of games that are, were single player games that are trying to break into that market and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't um i mean you know there's a there's a lot to there's, be there's it's, sometimes it's great sometimes it's not i'd say from my perspective and my experience if a game is a single player a single player universe single player epic and it tries to go multiplayer it doesn't always work and there are so many examples of where it doesn't to the point of they just don't do it. So you said Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. So they had multiplayer up until, oh, Black Flag, maybe three. I can't remember. Maybe it was just Brotherhood where they had the arena mode where you'd fight against other people 
it was intuitive it was quite clever and innovative but it just kind of flopped and then with unity they tried to introduce the co-op aspect where you know you'd undertake these missions with your friends and it was about being a, a part of an actual brotherhood and and again that flopped they completely scrapped it look at the last of us the last of us had a really enjoyable online um online arena mode where you'd fight against other people in like team deathmatch and cap and things like that last of us 2 completely scrapped it and like you say elder scrolls online fallout elder scrolls online i think's done pretty well but fallout 76 was so shaky and remains to be so because that game was just strictly single player i cannot think of many titles from a single player perspective that are as good and as expansive and as immersive as a fallout game and i think you agree with me on that don't you bruce Oh, absolutely. Fallout's one of my top-rated games, absolutely. Which is your favourite ever? Uh, it's got to be four because of the base building. Base building is my bread and butter of gaming. It's so. got to be four. I think, collectively, I've put about a 1,000 hours into Fallout 4 across all my platforms. New Vegas is fantastic. That's probably my number two. But when you talk about single-player stuff, you cannot beat a game like Fallout 4 because I say now, I go back after a 1,000 hours of play, I'm still finding locations, missions, NPCs, these things that I've never seen before. And I'm like, hold on, wait, have I, come, have I ever found you before? Like, most recently I was playing and I came across a guy who was in the wasteland imitating Preston Garvey. And he was dressed exactly like him. He was speaking exactly like him. And he was like, and he was like, I'm the leader of the Minutemen. I'm the general. And at the moment, at that point, I was the general. And I was like, no, you're not. I am. And this guy was like, no, you must be mistaken. I'm Preston Garvey. And I'd never seen this guy before up until this playthrough. I was like, what? where did this guy come from? Oh, I, I, I absolutely love Fallout when it does that. All those little like um, random interactions you get. He is one of my favorites. <laughs> You know, because it's like, I am, I am Preston Garvey. And you're like, no, I am the general of the Minutemen. He goes, please, please don't, please don't hurt me. <laughs> but yeah, Fallout's the best for that. You don't get that in many other games. You get like random interactions in, in, in a lot of Bethesda things. They love all that kind of stuff. The little Easter eggs and the hidden things. And like Fallout and its Easter eggs and its little niche things are so good. Like uh, the, the thing that Bethesda has had since Fallout 3 with skeleton humor. Do you know what I mean? When you go into like a toilet and they'll be like, a skeleton trying to that's trying to stuff children's toys and teddy bears down a toilet or something toilet humor skeleton humor fallout you'll find it everywhere right am i you've seen it right i'm not going crazy yeah 100 percent. no no you, it is everywhere absolutely everywhere and it's done so well it's hilarious because every time i go into a toilet on a fallout game i'm opening every stall because i'm like i know i'm gonna see something funny in here and you'll open one and there'll be like a teddy bear with a top hat and a cigar sitting on the toilet You're like what is going on <laughs> it's so good but you don't really i mean you get little little bits and pieces like that in multiplayer games like the ones that were famous for it were like battlefield they had um they had loads of things like that little easter eggs and hidden jibes and things like battlefield hardline for example we never played this together did we bruce um i don't believe so i don't think we've ever played a battlefield except for three um but battlefield hardline so there was a map which was like a deserty kind of urban map and there was a, a series of things you had to do and once you did it you had a motorized sofa that would appear and you'd drive around on the sofa just shooting people it had um battlefield 4 had a map that was set in the ocean and you'd have like a megalodon just appear and come flying out the water and, and just little things like that you know but you can't go too deep 
with a multiplayer title it's little snippets like that the best when you want to see real funny easter eggs and little glitches and things like that that's where the single players shine especially bethesda stuff but i'll tell you what let's talk about another thing that's not in multiplayers you, you get them in mmos but you don't get them in most multiplayer games bosses bosses yes absolutely you just you say MMOs, yeah, oh, they're famous for it, aren't they? Teaming up to take down a boss, but, you know, doing your dungeon raids and things like that. But the average multiplayer title, an average, you know, FPS, whatever, you're not going to get boss battles. Boss battles. I can't remember. See, now, this is where I'm going to stand out away from you, I think, I think, a little bit, because I tend to avoid a game if it's challenging. So I have never really had a super tough boss battle because I make them as easy as I can. I remember some pretty iconic ones like fighting Atlas in uh, in Bioshock. I remember that one. That was pretty good. You remember the countless boss fights in The Witcher 3 fighting against the Wild Hunt. They were fantastic. But I've never had a tough one because I don't. I, I play every game on the easiest difficulty. It's so bad. But, you know, talking back like uh, I recently admitted on one of these, there's a thing going around on Twitter at the moment. There's like a trending thing where you basically post uh someone put up saying post something that would get your metal gear card removed or revoked you know and you've got to admit something pretty embarrassing to do with the franchise and there was a metal gear one that went up and i basically said i have never ever completed metal gear solid 3 snake eater on any difficulty other than very easy and i've completed it like 20 times and i have never ever moved up the difficulty and that game has some of the most iconic, varied, incredible boss battles ever. Have you ever played Snake Eater, Bruce? No. Oh, you're missing out. PS2 era, Metal Gear Solid at its finest. So the main bulk of the game is you going up against this Bruce called the Cobras. Bruce? Did I just say going up against this Bruce? Did I just say that? Yeah, sorry. I mean, I'm pretty hardcore, man. I'm pretty hardcore. <laughs> You're Got on my mind. Four stages to my boss battle. You're on my mind, Bruce. I'm sorry. So you go up against this group. <laughs> go up against this Bruce. <laughs> this group called the Cobras, and they're basically like this this crazy elite team of people, and every one of them is so dramatically different from the last. So you have a guy that's like. Um, in an astronaut suit and he has flamethrowers and he's fireproof you have this old guy called the end who's like the best sniper in history and he's just, he never moves and he's super camouflaged you have a guy that's called the fear and he basically turns into a spider and he can like dis disjoint himself and contort himself and climb up trees and stuff you have a guy called uh colonel volgin who had who could control electricity that everyone's every single boss fight is so different from the last and i i breeze through all of them because i play on the easiest difficulty but that's the i when you talk about boss battles metal gear solid 3 that's the best one for me what because you're probably going to have more than me what are your tell me some good boss battles bruce tell me what you've gone through well in front of me right now i have a game from the gamecube it was also on ps4 and you can get it on steam resident evil 4 oh yeah okay now, this game, I've completed it on easy, medium, hard, and I think the next one was called Nightmare Mode or something like that. I've completed this game multiple times on multiple difficulties. Boss battles in this game. So, there's a couple. So, there's one called Krauser, which is quite fun. That's quite an easy boss battle. Uh, it's not too difficult. Um, then you've got Lord Sadler. 
Again, quite easy as long as you know what you're doing. But it's got so many different bosses in it because you're going through this whole story mode. Um, so you've got mini bosses as well. They're quite easily taken out. So you've got what are called the Bagmen, which are chainsaw wielding Ganados. It's just, there's so many boss battles in it, and they're all differently done. I remember some, because I did play Resident Evil 4, but again, it got too hard for me, so I never finished it. <laughs> but I remember the Gigantes guy, the, the massive ogre-looking dude. I think I beat him. What I don't think I beat was the big thing in the lake. How would you have not have beaten that? That's like the you would have de if you beat the um, giganto, you would have beaten the thing in the lake because I think that's oh, half the thing in the lake. Yeah, the the, the the giant thing in the lake is the first boss. Oh, I believe. Well, what, who's that big tall bald guy that wears the massive coat? Oh, the, the leader of the village. Maybe that. Maybe it was him. There was something that I couldn't get past that made me give up. I think you might be thinking of. Um, God, what was after it? Oh no, I think it's the. I can't remember his name, but he's like he's a little. He's kind of wearing a pirate outfit. If I remember, I can't remember his name though. Oh, it's really <laughs> going to bug me now. Long John Silver. I don't know. But on the subject of on the subject of these like horror bosses, you've kind of jogged my memory. Have you ever played a game called The Evil Within? Very very briefly. So that's kind of uh, the first one has a real deep Resident Evil Four feeling. You've got um, these enemies that may or may not be undead. I can't remember. But they're definitely psychotic. They wield weapons. You're in a very dark, sort of oldie-worldy village somewhere. Very, very similar feel to, um, to Resident Evil 4. But there are some bosses in that game that are phenomenally difficult. Like, you've got this, like, insta-kill woman that turns into a spider thing. And, and I will tell you now... If you give me a boss in a game that is insta-kill on even the lowest difficulty, your game will not be played. <laughs> it's as simple as that. There was a boss in The Last of Us 2. This is a bit close. This is going to be a spoiler for a lot of people, but it's not game-breaking. There is a boss in Last of Us 2 called the Rat King. Now... I played Last of Us 2 on very easy. It was not a challenge for me in any way, shape, or form. It was a great experience. It was joyful. I love it. It's the best game ever. But there's this guy called the Rat King in the basement of a hospital. And he is like five infected all fused together. And he's stupidly powerful. And he smashes through walls. And most importantly, he is a one-hit kill. I went into that basement on the easiest difficulty thinking, ha, there's no way I cannot beat this guy and he runs and he swings and i die and i die and i die and i die <laughs> and i was devastated because i'd got this is this is way you're like three quarters done by the time you meet this guy and i was like no way i'm gonna miss the ending of this game because of this one boss guy and i'm just not going to be able to experience it because it's one big boss and I was, I, I got through it in the end. You know, I had to look up guides and things, but I got through it in the end. But that's where we differ, isn't it, Bruce? When it comes to single player stuff, you don't mind a challenge, do you? Oh, don't get me wrong. There'll be times when I go off it and I go, oh, I'm not playing this. But I'll go back to it like a day later and go, right, I'm going to do this. Just quick side note the guy's name I couldn't think of was Raymond Salazar. Oh, so, yeah. there you go. Yeah, just casual. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't sound very, it doesn't sound too threatening, does it? Yeah, not until he becomes the big boss, but. 
hey, Raimondo, how you doing? You know, I, you know, I think down. the challenge aspect is what makes, you know, I, I do enjoy a challenge. Puzzles I enjoy. So puzzles in games, you don't get a lot of them in multiplayer either. So another game that I've got down to the side of me, because I've got a couple of my old favourite single players sat next to me, Ze Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. Oh, oh, classic. I mean, I never played a single Zelda game, but even I know that's classic. Now, this game, countless, countless hours. I mean, I mean, it would be close to like 300 hours, I'd, if I had to guess, on an old retro game. Which is, which is impressive, which is very impressive, because as we said like a few hours ago, a few hours ago? A few minutes ago, how, how long is this podcast? Like we said a few hours ago, there wasn't a whole lot of depth to these old games. You know, you play, you could play them in an afternoon, really, you know. But the nice thing about The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker is you could just sail around on the ocean for hours and hours, just treasure hunting, monster fighting. But, the, you know, there were puzzles in the game. Zelda is well-known for the puzzle games. Legend of Zelda, well-known for puzzle games. You know, even in the newer ones, well-known for puzzle games. Bruce, quick aside here. I think you've just triggered a repressed memory. I think you've just unlocked a repressed memory. Oh, I think I played this. You think you think you played this? I think I've played this. So, I remember something on... It might have been the GameCube or something. It was definitely Link... And you could get in a little boat and sail around to all these little islands and things. Yeah, it's pretty much pretty much Wind Waker to a T. But I don't think it was it wasn't old. I'd never had an N sixty four. Was it on GameCube? It was GameCube. Did they, like a, did they do a remake? They did. They did a remake. It was on the Wii U, I think. No, I don't think I played the Wii U version. I don't think I ever had a Wii U. But yeah, it, it was it was GameCube. I swear I've played this. You saying that repressed memories. Oh my god, guys, I've played Nintendo. <laughs> oh no. No, that's it. Every I can't ever say a bad word against it now, can I? Well, I mean, to be fair, Nintendo's brilliant, so... Yeah, I said in the retro episode, for those, those guys who need a bit of context, I said in the retro episode that I'd never really played anything Nintendo. We had a Wii, but it was more like, you know, the thing that got stuck under the TV and never played with. I had a 3DS uh, XL for like two weeks, but I couldn't get on with it. And I had a uh, GameCube when I was a kid, but I couldn't remember too much about it. But it turns out, I have played... <laughs> I've played a Pokemon. <laughs> you know, I've played a Mario... I can't hide it anymore. I don't enjoy them. I don't enjoy them though. But but anyway, but, but that's, thing that's, is, that's if you went back to them, would you? I probably I probably would because you know you look at things like you say you look at things in a different light. You know I don't like platformers. I don't like bouncing around picking up coins and things. The only thing I ever fell into in platformer aspects was was Sonic the Hedgehog. But that's just because my dad played it and it was an influence there. Um, but you know it's very 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 true that Nintendo are really good at single player stuff. Um, you know, it's more aimed at families and kids and whatnot, but they do have a great track record of the single player. You know, they do. Even if it's not my kind of thing, I'll admit that they do. So going off what you just said there about you don't like jumping around and bouncing around for coins, I'm going to bring in an another single player that I absolutely love, Super Mario Sunshine. <laughs> oh, there had to be one. <laughs> now this game, if you haven't played it, it is one of the best games, in my opinion. I enjoy it so much because it's not your standard platform in Mario. Now, I'm going to read the blurb on the back. So, 
Dark days on Isle Delfino. When Mario arrives on the tropical Isle Delfino, the once pristine island is polluted and plastered with graffiti. Even worse, he's being blamed for the mess. Now, instead of enjoying their relaxing vacation, Mario has to clean up the place and track down the real culprit. So this game... What? I have sunk so many hours into. It's like Mario X GTA. Like, what? <laughs> so... In this game, like I just read, you've gone to this island and you've been blamed for an issue. Now, the reason you've been blamed for it is because there's a Mario counterpart going around called... Sh- I, well, I called him Shadow Mario. Um, now, in this game, you've, it's a bit more open than your standard Mario game because you've got a bit of free roam to it. So, there's different. There's about ten different levels on there that you can go to and each level has different missions in it. So, for example, you've gone into the first portal. The first one is get to the top of this building. Done. The second one is race uh, race X, Y, and Z to this position. Number three, big boss battle. And you've got about ten different things. So one of my favourite levels was called the Watermelon Smoothie, I believe it was called. You have to find the biggest watermelon on the island, manage to get it all the way to the thing without it breaking, which may add... Oh, it's one of the most frustrating things in the world, but I enjoy it. Um, you've got to get it all the way down to get what are known as the sh- uh, Sun Shines, or the Shine Sprites, one of the two, um, to basically bring back light to the Isle Delfino. But it's so wide and expanse. There's uh, theme park levels, there's beach levels, there's hidden levels. So, uh, there's even Yoshi in it. You can find Yoshi. That's quite fun. Um, now you get something called Flood which is a gadget which is basically like a giant water pistol on your back but that's got different attachments that you can find for it so all in all out of all the Mario games it's probably my favourite because it's just so expansive and if you haven't played it I suggest you pick up a copy and the Gamecube and give it a go it's a phenomenal game absolutely phenomenal I mean I'll be I'll be honest most of what you just said was 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 words. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I I mean to reach his own absolutely you know I can see the appeal in these kind of games you know the the kind of mindless sort of you know not low challenge because you say there is some challenge but it's just time killer kind of stuff you're not really going to get overly frustrated you're not going to get freaked out you're not going to have this massive emotional response it's just one of those games that you can just put on and just really chill out you know just explore your little world but i mean that that's the thing about so most of my single players are on gamecube and the reason being there are just so many different games for it i mean my collection is expansive you know, what I'll do is I'll put a picture up of all my games onto our Instagram uh, in the next couple of hours. But another game that I've got here, it's called Taz Wanted. Now, Looney Tunes Taz, if, if you don't know, look him up, it's quite funny. I've got a game here. I will refuse to do that impression. Um, <laughs> I've got a game here called Taz Wanted. Now, the premise of this is you've been taken from your home and put in a zoo and your girlfriend, Taz, has been taken... But, again, it's got loads of different levels. Um, in each level, you can become a different costume. So you get costumes. So, for example, you can get Ninja Taz, you can get Werewolf Taz, Skater Taz. It's it's a weird game. But these, this game would set you back about three quid at the moment from uh, CEX or somewhere similar. You know, So three quid for this game. And the amount of replay you can get from it, just because it's, it's ridiculously fun. 
like it's Looney Tunes. It's unrealistic, cartoony violence. That's a that's a shout out there. That's a plug. CX. If your sales suddenly go up on Taz Wanted, you know you know where to send the royalties. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, send them know. over here, mate. <laughs> but there's. There's just so much. I, I think as well, you know, as time went on, the single player really did become the golden kind of, the golden ticket. Like you look at play, we said in our previous episode, we were comparing PlayStation and Xbox. We were saying how PlayStation really did corner the market on single player stuff with their like, you know, Resistance and Infamous and Horizon and Last of Us and, and Uncharted and God of War. All these single player things that were just, they were just so incredible and they remain to be today. And there's so many that they're they're still doing, you know. Like, I I don't think Uncharted is finished. You know, there'll always be another one of them coming out. You know, Last of Us Part Two kind of was a bit open. You could imagine there's going to be a third one coming. Um, there's another Horizon coming out. Like, they love their single player stuff and they do it so well. And I think that as time went on, these things basically, we know, we said about the whole immersive thing. They they basically became movies. The production value of these things. They, they are hiring real, real film actors and putting them in mocap roles where they are the character. Look at like uh, Death Stranding, for example. You know, you've got Norman Reedus, you've got Guillermo del Toro in there. You've got, who was that other guy? What's his name? Mads, Mads Mikkelsen. Mads Mikkelsen's in there. And these people are real they they just become the the character. They are instantly recognizable. You already have a familiarity with them because you know who they are. You know their voice, their face, their you know everything they've been in. And it's just these days it's so much more powerful. You know, like even though back on the 360, PlayStation 2, PlayStation 1, there were games that had these massive stories and they're really great and all good and fun. It's these days that it's it's really look at uh, I touched on to put it earlier. Detroit Become Human. That was an incredible game. Mostly because it had fantastic production value. It looked great. It played great. The soundtrack was fantastic. It was an amazing, you know, environment to, to explore. And I think as time goes on, these things are going to get so much better, especially as VR becomes better and AR and all these things. They're going to just put you in a world that you explore that is just plugged into your brain. Do you know what I mean? Single player, like, look at things that are coming, like Cyberpunk. This is already shaping up to be one of the biggest and best single player games ever. The hype behind it is incredible. And they're doing the thing with real people. Keanu Reeves. Everybody loves Keanu Reeves. When you put him in a game, that game is going to sell. <laughs> I want to play with and as and possibly romance Keanu Reeves. Because <laughs> you, know? you can romance anyone in Cyberpunk. I mean, I'd second that. I'd, I'd romance Keanu Reeves. Whoa. But this is this is the thing. So whilst whilst multiplayer is obviously great for social stuff, it's great for playing with your friends and for having that competitive aspect. Because, you know, we said in the last episode when we were talking about Sorry, uh, one before last when we were talking about... God, we've done so many. When we were talking about toxicity in online gaming, we're talking about the competitive alpha environments. You, you need that sometimes. You need to compete with your friends. You know, I would... If you said to me, Grant, you can take multiplayer or single player games for the rest of your life and you can't play the other, I would pick single player every time. Yeah, and I mean, I'd, I'd second that because like you said, some of the single player nowadays, they're they're basically like you get to play the movie because they're so well designed and the graphics nowadays that we got i mean horizon zero dawn if you haven't played it again what an amazing game the, the just everything about that game the graphics the scenery the 
the enemies, the monsters, the robots, just all together, it's just a beautiful game to play. And I think, again, you don't get that in multiplayer. Yeah, you get great graphics in multiplayer, but you don't get to admire the little details that they add in. You know, put it against something like Modern Warfare, uh, Warf uh, Warzone. You're moving around. Yeah, you might be able to camp for 10 minutes, but you're not going to be able to appreciate the little details that they put into that just to design that map. Whereas when you're in a single-player game, there's no one chasing you down. Well, there's not another person chasing you down. Uh, there might be something chasing you down, depending on what you're playing. But you can stop. You can just have a look. You can appreciate how much effort went into playing the game. You know, And even the retro ones, some of them are still Class A gems, you know. If you haven't got a retro console, look into getting one, I'd say, because the amount of stuff that's on the retro consoles that a lot of people nowadays have probably missed, you know, people our age have grown up with it, so they know about it, but, you know, the younger generation, they're missing out on so much stuff, you know? They I mean, go straight into Fortnite and Warzone and yeah. FIFA, and that's all they experience. <laughs> I mean, look at, look at some of the game games. Pikmin's another great one. If you haven't heard of Pikmin, look up Pikmin. What a game. But they don't get to play that. Like, my nephew, love him to bits. When he comes over, he plays on my GameCube. So I let him play the retro games. So he's played the Taz Wanted, the Super Mario Sunshine. And he actually really enjoys sitting there and just playing them. And you'll go, you're right. He goes, yeah, I'm all right. It's like, it's just, I think the magic is being lost from single player games. Because people don't put the time in. I mean, how many people can put their hands up and honestly say that they've played the campaign to uh, Modern Warfare Warzone? And you know what? It's a very, very good point. And sometimes you can argue, right? This is another thing. Okay, this is, this is a negative against what we've said. Sometimes these single-player games, they are just so big, people don't have the time to play them. It's sometimes these days, people our age, it is a a privilege to have the time to play them like i know for example the last of us part two right i have two friends that picked up the game that started playing it and they didn't even get halfway because they were like oh i just don't have the time to play it you know which is a very very fair point some of these games are absolutely enormous and you need a lot of time to get into them but like bruce said when you do find that time you just appreciate it so much more and you you look at the smaller details and you are more tuned in whereas you know like you well it's you know relatively yeah you said you play warzone you get in you're just trying to survive like there's 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 a reason why they get away with reusing the same environment so many times in warzone you'll come across the exact same building look at the police stations for example they're there's copy and paste police stations there's probably about 10 across the map they are absolutely identical fire stations identical there are um, little, what would you call them, like porter cabins, the little hut buildings. Yeah. They're absolutely identical, all the same. And we don't really notice or care because we're not spending enough time there to look at it and appreciate it. So that's a very good point made by Bruce there. These single player things, you just, you get so much more time to appreciate them and to enjoy them. But it's it's all, I think it's much of a muchness because I, I do believe in my heart that online is, is really going to be as much as I don't want to admit it, it's going to be a dominating factor in the future, isn't it? They want everything to be online. Even if a game should not be online, it's going online, you know? Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's, it's quite sad when you think about it because it'd, it'd be the end of an era, let's be honest, because we've grown up with single players. A lot of people don't have single players nowadays, and that's what we're trying to get across. Play a single player once in a while because you're missing out. And I think if the, everything goes 
online, it's just going to ruin it. Like a lot of franchises won't be able to do that. So The Sims, for example, that's going to be very difficult to make it online, like multiplayer. But would it? Well, yeah, because let's think about it. You, when you build, it pauses the game. Every time. But maybe they just, maybe they just have like a build mode takes you offline, and then when you go out of build mode, you're back online. Uh, again, I don't think that would work because how often, how often I went into build mode, for example. Imagine the amount of time you'd just spend connecting and not connecting. You know what I mean? You'd you'd be there for hours. Yeah, I guess it's a very like it, they've tried. I think they tried to have online aspects or multiplayer aspects with The Sims years ago. Right back in the first one, they tried to have multiplayer, um, and it's I could see great potential in a multiplayer Sims game, but then it's going to become like Second Life or like Habo Hotel or something. You know where it's just. How would you manage it? Would you have uh, like a persistent world? Would you have millions of people all inhabiting the same city? How would that even work? Would you have like... I mean, it depends. Um, if it was like something like Sims Herbs where there's a storyline to it or Sims Busting Out where there's a storyline to it, it's possible it could work there. But I just... There are some things that should I don't feel should go multiplayer. So Zelda, Legend of Zelda what what would be the point of that going multiplayer like how would it work why would it work yeah i don't think it would two links like would you go would one go around as um oh what's his name twinkle twinkle the little green fairy oh god twinkle people wonder why i don't play this <laughs> no but it's a very good point and look at games that come out let's look at it from another perspective really quick because we're about to wrap up um games that feel like they should be single player but they're multiplayer like the division i always felt the division would do so good as a single player game but it's a multiplayer thing and this is a this is a very good point that i've brought up many times before in that if i don't have anyone to play the division with my experience is so soured because it's so hard to do with other people. Whereas if that was a single player game only and I was given an open world New York or an open world Washington and I could just go about and do these missions as I, as I you know, could pick and choose, that game would be oh so good for me because that's my, that's, my that's my golden spot. Post-apocalyptic, open world, put some guns in there, let me build a base, you've got it. And if you chuck in zombies, oh, I'll give you 10 star review. I'm very easily pleased. But I think, although there's so much more you could say about single-player stuff, there is so much more. You've got all these... Fr- you could talk about Assassin's Creed. You could talk about Fallout, GTA, like we said, The Sims, Far Cry, Red Dead, Witcher, the, everything. There's so much you could cover off. But we're at our 60 minutes, and it's time to wrap up. But not before Bruce tells us what we're talking about in the next episode. So just before I tell you what we're looking at in the next episode, let me just once again say... We have got this thing that we're trying to bring forward called the Retro Mindset, alright? Now that means getting offline, playing a single player title and disconnecting for a little bit. So again, if you've got a game that has a single player that you haven't played, go offline for a bit, play that game. Now next week, is we will be looking at our regular showing, so make sure you tune in to hear about all the events from the coming week in the gaming industry. Yeah, absolutely. Regular showing means we're talking about the news, the rumors, the events, the announcements, everything in the gaming world that affects all of us. So that's next week. That's next Sunday. Uh, So don't miss out. But thank you guys for joining us today. I really appreciate you giving us your time. Make sure you follow us on social media and I will see you guys next week. 
and I'll see you guys next week as well. Have a good week, guys. Yeah! Thank you very much for joining the Loot Before You Leap podcast today. We'll be back next week with another episode. In the meantime, make sure you reach out and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, or find us at loopbeforeyouleap.com. See you next time.